Welcome to The Journey with Senior Pastor Marty Grebs of Crossings Community Church, a podcast where he explores God's extraordinary work in everyday people. Mark, thanks for joining us today. Uh, you have an amazing story. Uh, I know how you happened to arrive in Oklahoma City, and uh, I'm sure we'll hear about that. But uh, your family found your way to Crossings. You've been uh, very involved and helpful in so many ways. And I'm sure where you are now was never part of your wildest imagination. So let's kind of start at the beginning. And uh, even before you got to Oklahoma City, um, what kind of home life when you grew up? Uh, how did you choose to follow Jesus? What were the circumstances? Why did it happen? Kind of go back to the beginning and tell us your story. Yeah. Well, when I think about my story, I often think about uh, you know, Paul. And oftentimes, you know, he, he was, had such a dramatic conversion story where you know, he's persecuting Christians and then flips over and is being persecuted himself. And I, my story is dramatically different than that. And I've always felt like as uh, growing up, I felt less than when I share my story. And uh, over, the, over time, I've, I've kind of come to terms with that and realized um, we don't always have dramatically uh, different stories and uh, you know just these amazing conversions and and so that's where mine is. My my mother was a, a believer from a child, uh, had a, a great uh, home life, um, and and my father became a, a Christian when they met, and uh, they were both pretty young when they got married. And um, so really for me, I was about seven years old when I remember sitting on the stairs. My dad was in the Air Force. We, we moved around. I was born in Florida. We went to England, Germany, Texas, New Mexico. So by fourth grade, I was in New Mexico. But in uh, England, I remember sitting on the stairs in our home, about seven years old, and just yelling down to my mom and saying, hey, mom, I just accepted Jesus. And she came over and said, well, tell me about it. You know, so... Uh, Early on, uh, I, I had that, and, and really throughout my entire life, I've had some great influences that have just surrounded me uh, through my entire through my entire faith journey. But uh, yeah, that's. Do you ever like to go back? I know sometimes I do, and I, if I can find them, some of the people that were part of my journey um, from you know, where I was born in Tennessee. But I like to go back and tell them thanks. Have you ever had that experience where? You, you found the person that played a key role somewhere? There, one for sure. Uh, so when I was in Seattle, uh, we, Aaron and I had just been married maybe two years at that point. We were struggling to have uh, a child. So we went about a year uh, through some infertility. And um, we had a pastor there that was really uh, speaking into to my life. And uh, here's a little backstory of, you know, my I, when I was in Seattle, I was the mascot for the Seattle Supersonics, a basketball team, as you know. And uh, this pastor actually got together me and the Seattle Mariners Moose, the the performer there, and then the Seahawks mascot Blitz. So we had this small group of guys who were, you know, were just dressed up in a costume for a living. Um, but it was really cool, just his vision to get us together, so we had some commonality. And uh, just the way he was able to speak to our lives. Um, and so I did have a chance to go back and talk to him um, at, when we moved here, when I became pastor, and just let him know, like, you know, what you did, that, that small little Bible study that we were doing on Friday mornings, 
it really has paid off uh, for in my life, and I appreciate that. That had so. to be thrilling for yeah. him to hear that. I think that's really powerful when, when we have a chance to find those that had made a difference and tell them thanks. So you were in Seattle and the mascot. Um, so what happened? How did you find your way to Oklahoma City? <laughs> well, uh, that's when you know the, the team was bought and sold. And an interesting time in our life because we, at that point, we had two children. We had kind of a five-year plan. We were we were in our house, second house in Seattle, and our kids were two and three. And the the thought was we, we probably need to move into the suburbs pretty soon to for school district wise. And um, and then the church that we were at, we'd been there for for quite a while, and it felt like we were getting to a point where we were kind of holding people back. We were doing so many things. We were I was playing drums in the band. Uh, we were leading a the youth group, volunteer. Uh, my wife and I were doing a newly married Sunday school class or small group thing and just doing a lot of things. And we felt like we were almost doing too much and not letting other people step into those roles. So we were feeling this kind of nudge of maybe we need to look for a different church. Right around the same time, we were thinking we need to move to a different house to be ready for the kids to go to school. And then the bombshell dropped that, oh, the team sold and a year later, we, we were moving to Oklahoma City, and neither of us had been to Oklahoma City before and uh, driven through, you know, one, once or twice on the way to somewhere else. Um, but it really, that was kind of a time in our lives where we saw God had a plan and was kind of nudging us already. We were thinking it was just to move, you know, to a suburb in Seattle, but he was kind of preparing us for, for something else. And um, man, it was now four, 14 years later. 14 years. Longest we've ever lived in one spot. Been in the same house the whole time we've been here. So pretty amazing. So, you know, you were, you're Rumble. You were Rumble for quite a number of years in Oklahoma City. And uh, I was always amazed, you know, you could walk right up the, the, the stair rails. I mean, how does he do that? You, you know, you could go many places. Yeah. And uh, I know I was sitting in our seats and with the kids, and here you come, up the rail, you know. And, Where'd you learn to do that? <laughs> well, growing up, um, I was diagnosed with ADHD when I was young. So hyperactive. So over time, I was able to use that <laughs> for a positive thing when I was mascotting, you know, running around and having nonstop energy. It really worked out well. But as a kid, I was always jumping on things and climbing on things. And when I was young, I was in gymnastics and uh, rode a dirt bikes uh, out in New Mexico when we were there. And so little did a little bit of everything. And again, it's interesting that how God kind of can use all those random things. I was a jack of all trades, master of none, literally. Like I could do a little bit of everything, but nothing really well uh, until I found mascotting. I was like, oh, wow, this is, this puts it all together. And, um, and then just my mom had a great heart uh, for hospitality and really welcoming people. And so we, I'd see that, you know, every Sunday we'd come home from church and we always knew there'd be some airman or a new family, whoever was at church, and she was inviting someone to come home with us for, for lunch. Uh, great example seeing that. But then that kind of trans, translated into my work life where when I was mascotting, I was using that as a time just to make people feel welcome, to kind of forget about what was going on in their lives at that moment and just have a good time. And 
if it, if it made, you know, if I had to show off a little bit to get them to smile and laugh, then I'd, I'd do that. And if I had to fall and hurt myself a little bit, whatever it takes. So. <laughs> you were great at it. It was fun <clears throat> when, I, you know, when I got to know you and realized, you know, and you all came to the church somewhere in that mix. So it was always fun to watch you. So how did you, you move from Seattle to Oklahoma City? How did you find your way to crossings? Well, like I said, our, our kids were two and three, so we were looking for some type of a preschool or Mother's Day out uh, when we were moving here. And we heard some people in the community say, oh, you've got to try crossings. Um, and we had, we, our house is right on the border of Oklahoma City and Edmond, so we're not too far away from, from the OKC campus. And um, so we, we got lucky and got signed up for, for Mother's Day out and uh, we had been going to a Presbyterian church in Seattle. Both of us kind of grew, Aaron grew up Methodist. I was in uh, Southern Baptist growing up. And so, and then in Seattle, we were at a non-denominational church. So we've kind of been all around the place. And when we got here, we went to a, a Lutheran church the first Sunday that was just right by our house. We thought, oh, I mean, one block from our house. Tried that out. Didn't quite fit what we were looking for. And um, so we thought, well, where the kids are going to that crossings place, we should probably check that out. And we went the next Sunday and like I said, it's been 14 years and we've been here the whole time. I mean, it, there's yeah. first Sunday, just walking in, being blown away by the size. I think everyone says that, you know, when you walk in, you're like, oh my goodness, this is just too big for us. Most of the churches we went to were 300 people or less, usually closer to hundred, um, but really feeling welcome right away. And then having opportunities to plug in yeah. and, and serve. So, I mean, everything from I drove golf carts and welcomed people in the parking lot. Uh, then Aaron and I did kindergarten Sunday school class and um, was an usher for a while in, in the venue. And um, then we led a newly married Sunday school class and was asked to join the finance and facilities committee for quite some time. Um, so just kind of started, again, that's kind of... God uses that in me, my little jack of all trades, master of none. I can kind of dance around a little bit. And then when uh, this opportunity to, to step into the pastor, Edmund Campus pastor role, it really has paid off because I've been in children's ministry. I've been in connections. I've been in students um, in adult education. So I have a little bit of uh, history in all these different areas and uh, so it really all kind of came together. You said earlier in, in our conversation that your experience in coming to Christ wasn't dramatic and, mm -hmm. and you just kind of grew up and grew up with it. That's my story. I, I, I don't know that I remember a time when I didn't think I was not a Christian, you know, but I was nine years old when it was clear there's a choice to make. So we share that to some degree in common and we don't feel that our story is very dramatic. And I suppose, I guess it isn't, but... The thing I've appreciated about you uh, from the, you know, the first day you showed up here, obviously, when a lot was going on with you all that I never even knew about until I met you, but that as you describe your, your uh, journey into crossings, that's where God uses the history you have, the journey you've had, the, the growing up in church part and being committed sp to spiritual life and spiritual growth in your family. And so I can see how God has used that in the way you got involved, in your willingness to serve wherever was a need, um, 
that led you all the way from Chesapeake Arena and the Rumble outfit <laughs> to being a, the pastor of our Edmond campus. And so I can see, as I'm sure you can too, those moments that uh, they didn't seem very dramatic, but yet God was getting both of us ready for something that would be beyond our comfort zone. Um, and, and so I think that's the power of you, your story, and your family. Uh, what, what would you say has been the most important piece of, of just your life and your walk with Christ? Uh, through the years, through the various, particularly maybe since you came to Oklahoma City, it's a big change, cultural change, church change, neighborhood change, school change, all those things. Yeah. Well, as you look back on, on that season, what has been maybe the, those aha moments where you sense God speaking to you in some certain way? Well, I think uh, I do count it as a blessing that I was a, uh, I found Jesus at a young age and then had people surrounding me. You know, my, my parents were very intentional about that, you know, constantly pushing me to youth group. And even when I was in college, my mom, I remember talking to her and just, she would just gently say, so, so what are you guys talking about in church this week? Or what's going on? And it was never like, are you going to church? Or, you know, it, I was never, never felt guilt if I was not going to church or doing, it was always a encouraging like, we know this is going to be the best way, and so how, where are you? But early 2000, there was a movie came, that came out called Big Fish. I don't quite, I, I wouldn't recommend everyone watch it. It's not the best film in the world, but the storyline uh, really helped, helped me understand kind of my walk uh, from early on, you know, seven years old on. And so it's, it's the story about this guy who uh, he tells big stories. So, you know, Big Fish, you talk about big stories of his life. And um, he, he's, the movie just kind of goes through from a child all the way through as he's about to pass away. And early on, he, this is the, some of the parts that you might want to skip, but there's a witch in this story. She has a glass eye and the- You're watching a yes, movie with I a know. witch in it. Wow. I know. It's, but uh, yeah, so the, the story is, if you look into the, her glass eye, you see how you're going to die. So everyone's scared to, to look in, in her eye. And uh, so this, I think Edward Bloom was the, the boy's name. And he's like, I'm going to go look in her eye and see what, how I die. And he looks in and kind of smiles and like, oh, okay. And he walks away. And then there's two of his friends that are there and they look and they, they're freaking out when they find out how they die. And, but from then on throughout the movie, he's, he's talking about, or he, he shows how he joins the circus at one point. And the, the circus guy's like, you know, hey, can you uh, tame a lion? Yeah, sure. You know, he'll stick his head in the lion's mouth. Uh, they'll shoot him out of a cannon. Uh, you know, he's just doing crazy things. He, they come to a, a forest. Uh, he and his friend are walking, going to the city or a, a town. And they get to this area where uh, you can take a shortcut through this scary looking forest. And these arms are kind of hanging down of the trees and, or this nice straight clear path that it's going to take a lot longer and you're going to go around. And so Edward's like, I'm going to go this way. And the other guy's like, no, I'm going this way. But he's able to do all these things because he knows, I know how I'm going to die. I already saw it. And I know it's, I'm not going to die because my head's in a lion's mouth. Or I know I'm not going to die because I'm getting shot out of a cannon or walking through this scary forest. 
Um, it, you, we never see how he, he, we didn't get to see that, that picture of how he dies. So you're still kind of questioning, is this it? But, but looking back at my life, there's so many times where, um, you know, even I talked about the infertility when Aaron and I were first married, we're struggling with that. And I just had a peace during that time, both of us, that if this is supposed to happen, it will happen and God will find a way to make this work. And if it doesn't happen, it's going to be all right too. Um, ultimately, we know how this story ends and, uh, you know, really the, that promise of heaven. Um, but, but we can enjoy this journey as we're going along and he's walking with us. And I don't really have any times that were, uh, you know, just where I, you know, I'm at, at the, the end of despair and just crying out. But when I do look back, there were a lot of pretty big times like that where um, moving to Seattle, or moving to Seattle originally, I'd never been there before, moved there when I got the job, didn't know anyone. So that was a pretty big life change, uh, getting married, then infertility. Uh, from there, uh, Aaron's brother, uh, he struggled with addiction um, 30 plus years, and then in and out of prison and jail. His last time in prison was the best. He became a believer, uh, was sober for, for about two years, I believe, while he's in prison, and then came out, was, was clean and just on fire for the Lord, and then uh, was murdered. And so th this happened about a year before we moved here. Uh, and just crazy time that you know, he'd gone through all these struggles in life and found Jesus and, I mean, was really making a turn. And then this, uh, his roommate happened to be strung out and, and stabbed him. And, um, and he's helping this guy, you know, he's helping him. So just a, a lot of big things like that, that I don't really think too much about because I had so much peace during that time. Um, and and it, it wasn't anything about me. It was really, I can see God working through my life. Another big time was uh, my wife decided to donate part of her liver to her aunt. This was just about four years ago, and uh, we were going through the process, and it was all happening so quickly that I didn't really have time to process and understand what was going on and didn't research very much. And I've heard a lot of people have given kidneys, and I thought, yeah, that's pretty amazing that people would do that. And uh, it, it sounds like the surgery wasn't too big of a deal for kidneys. And then I find out for liver, a live donor was a pretty big deal. And we didn't realize it till we're walking around the hospital and people are like, oh, are you the one that's doing the live donor? <laughs> like, uh-oh, what are we doing here? Did I? Did she know the, the person she was giving the liver to? Yeah, so it was her aunt. Oh, okay. Right. And her aunt, uh, she, she was in her 60s, still alive now and, and living a great life. But um, she got to a point where her liver was failing, but it wasn't bad enough um, that, that she would make it on the transplant list. So they, and then she was starting to have other complications. So uh, there was really, she would have to get really sick before they could give her a liver and it might take out other organs and cause other problems. And so they were looking for someone that would be willing to do that. So long story short, I remember being there with her pre-op. Uh, we're getting ready to roll her back. You know, they've got her all cleaned up and ready to go. And then it just kind of dawns on me, like, this really could be the last time I see her as they're about to wheel her off. And uh, I, I had this peace that came over me. And I wish everyone could experience that. And I, I want to relive that every moment that I can 
just knowing if she does die during the surgery, it's not what I want. And that's not what I want for my kids. And that's not what I picture in the future here. But I, I had this piece that God would work on. It would work out some way. And I don't know, I couldn't imagine how that would work. And I thank God that he spared her and that she's fine. And, and we made that through it. But um, just some cool things like that, that as we were going, going, have gone through my life that have happened. It's pretty major, major events. Yeah. But it, when I look, I, I have to really go back and think about those times because it doesn't feel like, uh, it, those just don't come to mind real quick. And it's not that I don't appreciate those. It's just I, I, I tend to have this long-term outlook of this is all temporary anyways. And I haven't, I haven't looked in the glass eye, but I, I've looked in the book and the book tells me what's going to happen. Yeah. And so I know what's going to happen at the end. And, um, and I know he's working for the good throughout the rest of this story. You know, I think in some way it comes back again to, <clears throat> um, I think it comes back to growing up uh, with parents who were believers and in both our cases encouraged us uh, to, to be a part of it. Uh, and, and we happen to be privileged with a church that we enjoyed being a part of. Uh, growing up, as dad was a pastor, I had two church, there were two churches, which is pretty amazing that for a PK, yeah. it was one church in Tennessee and one in Ohio. But I think what that does that we don't realize is it's, it's, building, it's building our faith in ways we, we don't realize because what you've explained in those moments where you really were frightened, you had your faith to lean on without, it, it wasn't even a, there wasn't even a, a question in your mind. How should I handle this? How should I feel? What do I do with any fears? And I think that's so important. I think it's a great example to people that if we will cultivate our faith in Christ, yeah. if we will dig in and learn what it means to follow him, and if we can see what happens to followers, if they do follow him, because it's there. And I see that with you I, and Aaron, the blind, almost like a blind faith. And I, I don't know if that's even the right word. You hear that phrase a lot, but it was a deep faith that held you steady without even knowing how steady it could be in some ways. I think that's true for both of us. Yeah, well, and I, 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 it, you can say blind faith, um, but I do think it's just proven time yeah. and time again. So it... It's just part of the fabric of yeah. your life. Yeah, I know. I can, I can take that step because it's, it's going to be okay either way. I, I, like I said, I, I had um, or I have ADHD, so I've struggled with focus. And, um, and growing up in school, I was, I was that kid that, you know, the teachers were looking at the roster at the beginning of the year, and it's like, all right, Bobby Sue, she, oh, Mark Taylor. Oh, no, it's going to be one of those years. I'm the, I was that kid. And, but I, my, my parents did a great job of instilling in me that education is not my value. Uh, you know, there's, there's so many things, sports, my athletic ability, my musical talents, playing the drums, that's all great. And God has given me those gifts and talents, but that's not, that's not my value. That's not who I am. I'm a child of God. And, uh, and that really helped me get through a lot of those times yeah. I had, I remember my fourth grade Sunday school teachers uh, not wanting me to be in the classroom, you know, just I'm the disruption. And 
I know exactly what they're, they were feeling now that I have, you know, gone through that with other kids. Um, but just the love that they showed me, just keeping me there, and, and that, that made a big difference in my life. You know, I, I'll never forget the meeting we were having, and uh, our new Edmond location was growing. Uh, it grew beyond our wildest imagination. And um, it, was, it was time for the, the campus pastor who really had brought it out of the ground and got it, really got it established and did a great job with that. But we needed him to do that again. And uh, so we were looking for a campus pastor and it was so interesting. Um, your name came up pretty quick. And I hadn't thought about it. I thought, oh, well, yeah, of course. And so now you're a campus pastor. And, and you've always been in ministry. You were in ministry with, as Rumble because of your faith. But I, I'll never forget, as we thought for a few moments, when you think about Mark and Aaron and you look at their journey with us, their commitment to Christ, their love for the church, their willingness to roll up sleeves and do whatever's needed to be done, and your love for people, um, it became, oh, this, this is a no-brainer, Mark and Aaron Taylor. Mm. And so I, I vividly remember that day and the conversation we had. And so what's been so exciting, uh, probably in this several things in the journey, but one is um, your, the way you have pastored. And that's what we were, that's what we noticed in you, the, the pastor's heart. And when you walk in out there on Sunday morning, you're out there in the foyer with the people. You're, and Aaron's out there serving among the people. And, uh, and that was certainly the case with our previous campus pastor and his wife. But it's, it's, it's been fascinating to watch this be um, such a, some would call it success, and it is success, but a meaningful, really a win for our church, for our church in Edmond. Uh, now you've had a couple of years being the pastor. Um, what has surprised you? What's, what's different today than you thought it might be? How has it maybe stretched you in ways you didn't think it would or didn't know it would? Yeah, I... I it's always interesting to look back at prior experiences and how those have prepared me for what we're doing now. And um, when I got the, I remember the day I got the call, hey, would you consider this? And I think about it different than you did because I was thinking they made the wrong call. They called the wrong, are you sure that you got the right number here? Um, and so after Aaron and I kind of talked through that and, and took a step back and said, I think this is really where your next step should be. So, well, and, I mean, personally, I thought, wouldn't it be cool to have Rumble as our campus pastor? <laughs> and we'd be the only church in town. Their Rumble is the campus pastor. Yeah. So that was our real motivation. It wasn't, it wasn't being such a godly man. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think, you know, just the, I accepted that position in, uh, it was March 11th. I remember specifically when I, told the, the, the people I, were, I was working with a nonprofit right before this and let them know on, on March 11th. And that was the Mar March 11th, 2020. That was the day that the, the Thunder game was canceled because COVID came to Oklahoma City and really the U.S. And um, so I'm thinking, okay, great. I just accepted this position at a church. Yeah. 
and we're going to be shutting down. Uh, what does this mean, and what does this look like moving forward? And uh, man, what a blessing that was. And again, that's another just God thing. Like when we reopened, we, we went online. So luckily, well, not luckily, God knew and had prepared our church for the online experience before all this happened. Yeah. So we were instantly ready to, to adapt and be ready to do online. Then when we were coming back in person, for me uh, to, to see a few hundred people coming through the door, I think the first, first Sunday, I think we had about 74 people in the first service and about 80 in the second service. I was able to greet almost every single one of them, introduce myself, have some time talking with them, and really get to know those people. And then as more and more people started to come in, um, you know, it made it a lot easier just to get to know people and create relationships. And if, I would, if we wouldn't have had COVID and had that slow start, it would have just been floodgates. Come on in. I'm trying to meet everyone and get to know. I'm, I'm sure there'd be a lot more people who slipped through the cracks. Um, so that just another one of those crazy things that that was, that was not a, a great time in most people's lives. And for me, I have businesses. So I, I started uh, some trampoline parks in Oklahoma. I had sold one right before COVID happened, not knowing about COVID. Um, but luckily that all happened a few months before. Second one, we didn't make it through COVID, ended up having to shut that down. So um, I knew there's a lot of people who are struggling going through this time. I was you know, experiencing that on the business side of things. And, um, but just how God was working uh, in my life through the, the church side of things. It was just amazing to see. Well, it's been a, an incredible journey and it's been fun knowing you all and, and so appreciative of how you came into this big church and it came, thankfully it got small pretty quick and have served so well. And uh, to have you and Aaron as the campus pastors now and to see what God's had in mind and who knows what the future's gonna hold, but we know it's gonna be good. If you had to summarize your life right now, your walk with Christ in one or two sentences, what would that be? Mm. Yeah, I think back to that movie again with Big Fish that it really, I, I have confidence going through life knowing I, I know the end. I know what's going to happen. I don't know exactly how I'm going to die, but I know what happens after death. So I have peace in that. Um, I also have this great peace, though, knowing that God's walking with me through this journey because I'm going to screw up. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm, you know, I, I have teenage kids and I'm messing that up and uh, I'll be paying for their, their counseling throughout the rest of their lives, I'm sure. But um, just knowing God's going to, he can work through the good, the bad. It, you know, it's the, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That doesn't mean I'm going to, make that winning shot, you know, it means he's going to walk with me through that if I made it or missed it. Either way, he's going to be there with me. And I really, I know what's going to happen at the very end. So that's, that's, that's the way I live my life. And um, it's, it's brought peace and fulfillment in the good times and the bad. 